uh, on a six month long trip, um, if you miscalculate by half a day how much food you need to have sent to a certain location, you're going to be really upset with yourself. So like you can't make mistakes like that. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we talk to athletes, adventurers, and business owners from around the world of adventure sports. Whether you're climbing Mount Everest, starting a bike shop, or getting up off your couch to take your kids hiking for the first time, we want you to have the motivation and inspiration you need to chase that next adventure. The Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by Camp Crate, the leaders in fully planned self-guided backpacking adventures, as well as backpacking gear rental. You can check them out at campcrate.net. Welcome to this week's Life Outside the Box episode. We've got a treat for you, man. We got backpacking legend, backpacking royalty, if there was such a thing, Andrew Skirka. I, I don't know if it can be overstated just how big of an influence this guy has had on the backpacking community. Um, he was doing his huge trips before before social media was huge in the sense of like Instagram posts and, and, and even when Facebook was still gaining a lot of momentum. So this guy has been considered, he is the Generation Y version of Henry David Thoreau or John Muir. He's the 2005 Person of the Year by Backpacker Magazine. Uh, he is, I mean, his accolades are crazy. He's been Men's Journal, Adventure Hall of Fame, made the Outside 100 list. He's he's uh, Adventure of the Year by National Geographic. I mean, his trips are crazy. Some of the things he's done, let's see, let's see, he's done the AT with the Appalachian Trail. 2007, he did the Great Western Loop, which is basically doing the, the Continental Divide Trail and the PCT in a big loop. So between each terminus of the trail, he connected the trails with other, or he connected the two long trails with two shorter trails in between. Up north, it was the Pacific Northwest Trail, and then down south was... I forget the name of the trail, but did it all in one big shot. One of two people to do that. He was the first one to do it. That is going to be an official trail. The Great Western Loop Trail is going to be official this year, I believe. Um, He has done a C2C route where in 2005 he walked from Quebec to Washington. Um, It took him 11 months, involved 1,400 miles of snowshoeing and Gosh, it just a, a hike across coast to coast across Canada and America. Um, he's done the Colorado Trail twice, done lots of smaller, smaller thousand mile routes. He guides now. And w- one of the biggest things he's known for, which kind of uh, got him into a National Geographic Adventure of the Year, was when he did a huge loop of Alaska. He hiked almost 5,000 miles. Hiked, rafted, snowshoes, cross-country skied, all that. A route around Alaska, which took him 176 days. Most of that was not on a trail. It was on a river. It was forging his own trail, his own way. He had to get helicopter food. Caches dropped in giant 55-gallon drums. Like, this guy's crazy. He is, I mean, it's, I, I don't mean to, you know, 
geek out about it, but he, he's a big deal, and he was a huge reason back in 2011. I did my first trip. It was a year after his Alaska trip, and I'm like, holy cow, I got to get up to Alaska. I saw it in National Geographic. So personally, it's a complete whirlwind to go from idolizing this guy to being able to interview him on a podcast. It's really, really awesome. Um, but our conversation is not going to be about those trips um, in the sense of details about those trips, it's more of what has his life been like since his last big trip. It's by his own admission that he admits that Alaska trip in 2010 was his last um, big adventure more than two weeks uh, two weeks in length. And so I want to know what has his life been like since then? How has he built this career? And uh, kind of his advice for you, those of you out there who want to kind of do the same thing, but... If you want more information on his previous trips, I mean, there's like documentaries about those trips and about much better programs, much better uh, videos, um, podcasts even, and radio programs that have released full-length, very detailed accounts of those trips. So if you're interested in those, go and listen to those. I wanted to talk about in our traditional life outside the box way, how have you managed to build this life outside the box. Also, there is about another 15 minutes worth of the interview that is only going to be able to be listened to by patrons. So it is a kind of a short interview because we kind of, I scheduled, um, two interviews were scheduled right on top of each other and Andrew was first. So we were kind of crunch on time in the first 15 minutes of the interview. We just kind of shot the breeze about, uh, running gear shop, not gear shops, but, uh, outfitting, um, operations, guiding, uh, permits, even. We just kind of talked shop for about 15 minutes. So if you're interested in listening to that and you're a patron, go to patreon.com. It'll be, it'll be listed there today. And if you're not a patron, you can become one by going to patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. And you basically sign up to give, uh, give us five bucks a month for producing these shows. Uh, they are free to you and we are totally cool with keeping that, keeping it that way. But if you would like to support us, We obviously really appreciate it. So another 15 minutes of this interview will be available there. Um, But I hope you enjoy. I hope you end up going on one of his trips. He's the real deal. So today's episode is brought to us by Peak Refuel. They are the makers of the best freeze-dried backpacking and hunting and fishing meals. Whatever you need to use the meals for, they make the best freeze-dried meals out there. They need a cup of water, a little like cup and a half of water to cook. Take 10 minutes and you are sitting there with some wonderful chicken alfredo, pesto, beef marinara, all kinds of recipes, very hearty, very great for the backcountry and for isolated areas and very lightweight because they're freeze-dried. Use ASP20 for 20% off. Okay, y'all, let's get into this. You know, your your Alaska trip uh, inspired me to to go to Alaska on a bicycle. And from that point on, I, I just had been a huge fan of yours. I saw it in National Geographic. I reached out to you then, like, just to say hello. I, I mean, you get tons of that, but that was right when the trip happened. And it was just really inspiring. And uh, just wanted to say thanks for that, first of all. And, of course, welcome to the show. It's funny. That trip has been long enough ago now where... 
I'm like, I look back at that. I'm like, wow, that was a cool trip. <laughs> that was <laughs> like, who was that guy? Because that that guy was a lot different than the one you're looking at in the mirror every morning. Oh man, so stinking relatable. I believe it. It's just something. I remember going through some YouTube videos that you were uploading and just reading all the articles and just thinking like, this is absolutely nuts. And the longer I followed you, the more I realized like, okay, you've built a career out of this. Uh, Things have slowly gained, uh, and at times I'm sure quickly gained a lot of traction. Um, But overall it has been, I mean, you're considered like a backpacking God (laughs) now. Yeah, it's been a, it's been slow and steady. Like I definitely, you know, I, um, I, I don't think I would. It's funny. Like I, I sometimes wonder if I'm like still relevant to this whole scene. Um, but my, you know, my, my, my focus has shifted, and I think you know, even though I'm, yeah, I'm still that guy who walked around Alaska, but like I've evolved. So, um, like now I'm, and you can relate to this, but like you know, I'm married, I own a home, I run a small business, I guide trips. Um, I have a cat that I adore. Um, <laughs> uh, I have, you know, have like kind of like I started ultra running again or, you know, running competitively again and sort of shifted out of those like multi month trips. So, like, the, you know, evolutions are good. Um, uh, but, you know, when I, when I, I don't know, like in the, in the backpacking world, I do wonder, like, you know, the, the energy and the attention is very much on like, you know, the, the big long distance trails and on like the JMT and stuff. And I'm like, man, I haven't been on the JMT since 2007. <laughs> so, I mean, Instagram didn't even exist when I was on the, yeah. some of those little saplings are, are 10, 15, 12 years old now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, things have changed a lot. So it's, you know, um, you know, and then, you know, yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I've heard awesome interviews with you just going through the details of those trips. So I'll, I'll try to make it something fresh and, and relevant for you. Um, but I, we, I, a lot of people are going to want to know, like, how did this start for you in the sense of, you know, what were your earliest outdoor experiences that basically the match that began to light this all on fire for you? Yeah, I'm I'm an unlikely person to be where I am now. Um not the unlikeliest, but uh, you wouldn't have looked at me when I was 18 or even like 20 and gone like, "Oh, I this guy is going to become this when he's 37." Um so I grew up uh southeast from Mass, pretty like devoid of open space and mountains uh, or hills for that matter. And uh but it was always something that <clears throat> appealed to me, so we would go on family vacations like uh New Hampshire, Maine, Vermont, but it was never something I could do with any like uh, like with like uh, nothing that I could dedicate a lot of time to just because I didn't have the the access. And um, so then I went to school. I went to Duke, and at the time I was expecting like you know Wall Street track or something like that. Um, and I spent my the first summer in college. I sort of made this recognition that I was like you know like like I'm gonna spend probably most of my life like during the summer under fluorescent lights and why not just like have like a blowout summer and go do something like different that you've kind of always wanted to do. So I worked at the summer camp out in Western North Carolina and it was like the most corrupting experience I've ever had. And partly because I was having so much fun, I was like mountain biking and rock climbing and caving. And then in the morning before the kids would get up, I go for like these awesome trail runs. 
so that was part of it. And the other part of it was I was hanging out with a bunch of people who lived these very unconventional lives uh, where they would like, I mean, they were doing, they were doing van life like before hashtag, <laughs> right? So uh, they were like, um, they would work at the summer camp in the summer and then they would like go down Joshua tree um, for the winter and like, just, just go rock climb. And then they would like get an odd job for a couple months and like pay some more bills. And they basically had like no money. Uh, they had like really crappy cars, but they were just like totally living it up and loved life. I was like, well, that's really different because I grew up in this very sort of like, you know, uh, New England, very um, sort of, uh, that's what I'm looking for, um, a very focused family, I think is a good, maybe a fair way to describe it. Uh, dad's a banker, mom's a teacher. And so that was like totally corrupting. And then it kind of went from there. I, um, uh, Let's see, hiked the Appalachian Trail in 2002. Um, I graduated from, uh, or actually, the next summer I came out to Colorado um, and worked. I was interned for Golight, which was like a big thing at the time and like like was really changing the scene. And then I, after graduating, I did my big C to C trip, which was a 11 month, um, 7,800 mile hike from uh, Quebec to, to Quebec, uh, Quebec to uh, Washington State. And then two years after that, I did the Great Western Loop, which was 6,875 miles in seven months around the American West. And then 2010, I did the Alaska Trail. Yeah. So something that I always tell my wife, especially when things are hard, is that, babe, one day this will all just be a sentence. Yeah. yeah. 2019 was really sucked. Or, you know what I mean? <laughs> you're running through yeah. these things like you're, you're near death. There's probably a thousand near death experiences and all that. And you're just saying... Yeah, I did this eleven thousand mile hike. There, there, there are a few near deaths, but there are definitely some really uncomfortable, lots of lots of uncomfortable days. So yeah, and I just yeah, I mean, um, it's just a sentence now. It's just a sentence. That's a great way to describe it. I know it's nuts. Yeah, unreal. Yeah. And you know, I remember I, I, I heard that your uh, your parents didn't really like this this newfound passion in you. Is that was that true? No, they were totally opposed to it, like adamantly opposed to it. So, and for, you know, so, um, I get it. I get it. I got it then. I get it now. Um, they had just spent a lot of money and put me through Duke and bigger than that is that they didn't want their son to do what they perceived to be just like, like throwing away opportunity. So, um, you know, they thought that me like being this, this wanderer um, was not getting going to get me anywhere, and um, you know, and it's um, odds are that 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 should have been the case. Um, it didn't end up being that way, but uh, yeah. So my parents um, uh, did not. Were it's funny they were they fought it, but they were also like once I made a decision, they would support it. So what do they think now? Oh, they're. I mean, well, my life's changed a lot, so you know, I'm. Uh, I don't go on six month long trips anymore with <laughs> right. It's grizzly bears, you know, around every corner. Um, so they're, yeah, they don't have any issues. Not to mention like, I, you know, I think my mom at this point should be like, well, like, um, you know, you're married. So, you know, you're what you're, you're your wife's responsibility. And I have, you know, four grandkids from your sisters. So <laughs> she, she got what she wants. You're exactly, settled right. down. She's got the grandkids. Now my mom tells me that's my only purpose now. And so I honestly believe her. Like, I think if I could give her grandkids and she'd never see me again, she'd be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, 
it's definitely funny living up. So we live in Colorado and my parents are still in Massachusetts and it's definitely like a different dynamic with being without kids and living, you know, two thirds of the way across the country than versus the relationship that my sisters have with her. I believe it because your sister's still close. Yeah. They're all in Boston. Yeah. Mm. Wow, man. That is, so are you happy with the way things have gone for you in the last you know, well, since your first trip in 2002, the AT. Um, yeah. So I, the way I had a great time in my twenties, like they were, um, I did exactly what someone in their twenties should do. So it's the one point in your life where you have the decision-making abilities of an adult, but you don't have any of the, dare I say, like trappings of Hmm. adulthood. So you're not married. You haven't started a career. You don't have a mortgage. You haven't grown accustomed to nice things. So yeah, my twenties, I was just like a dirtbag hiker and I, um, you know, I was always like frugal and I'm actually probably, I'm probably being too generous. I was probably, I was cheap. Um, so I would spend like no money and that just allowed me to hike, you know, six, nine months a year and never have to like go in debt to do it. And I could just work, you know, seasonally, um, but between hikes. So yeah, I had no regrets about my twenties. They were awesome. Um, my thirties, I think I'm a little bit more conflicted about, um, so I'm 37 now. And I, so I did my last big trip in 2010. And since, since that trip, I haven't done another trip. That's like, that's longer than two weeks. Um, at least like one, one trip. Um, instead, like I still get out for like last year, I think I slept on the ground, I don't know, like 60, 65 nights. So that's still pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, since uh 2014 2015 let's see yeah 14 15 16 and 2018 i ran more than 3000 miles and in 2017 i ran f- more than 4000 miles so like i'm still really active but you know like i it's different now like i've i spent a lot more time in front of a computer um i'm have a lot more responsibilities um i don't feel like i could just like, I don't know, like, like, Hey, like you know, April is right around the corner. I'm going to just going to drop all my stuff and go for a six month long trip. I just can't do that right now. Do you want to? I don't know about a six month long trip, but I would love, like, if I could just spend the summer, um, like backpacking in awesome places and just like, um, scouting out a bunch of new high routes, I totally would do it. <laughs> like no, no doubt about it. Yeah. But I've heard you say, uh, you know, you hear a lot of you hear a lot from people who who basically say, "Man, I wish I would have done what you did at that age, but now I'm in my fifties or getting close to retirement, and I'm going to do it at the end." Um, are you happy that you did it this way? Oh yeah, for sure. I would I would not want have wanted to wait t- until I retired to do to do some of these things. It's just because just you're not going to be. Used. I'm sorry. It's not that you're not going to be able to. It's much more difficult. It's, it's hard to predict um, what's going to f- happen. For sure, it's harder harder to predict. Um, you're not sure if you know your body's going to be as cooperative. Um, you know, you might, and I think almost too like you might not want to give up some of the nice things that you've acquired um, in your adulthood. Like I really like the fact that I own a nice home. Like my wife and I were sitting in the on the couch the other day, and we're like, "Wow, our our home has gotten really comfortable. Like we have this nice fireplace, like this really plush look." plush sofa and like <laughs> and it's just comfortable to be there and i don't like that's a that's a little harder you know and of course our cat is like cuddled up with us and like we got lots of blankets going because as you know it's been like a pretty cold winter here in colorado on the front range um so yeah you know you might not be willing to give those things up as easily as you get as you get older so 
Um, I would say like right now, I guess I feel like I'm, I'm kind of putting in a, I'm, I'm doing good work and I feel like I'm putting in a really good foundation for, um, for the future. So like, I still feel like I'm still kind of building, um, and maybe, you know, maybe in a couple of years I'll have, I'll have even more balance than I have now. I'm sure you have tried some freeze-dried and dehydrated meals before, but I promise you, you've never had anything close to as good as Peak Refuel. Uh, They make freeze-dried meals, which is different than dehydrated. It takes way less water to cook. It cooks a lot faster, and they cook the meals before they put everything together. A lot of companies just throw all the ingredients in there, and when you cook it, it's the first time it's ever been cooked. With them, all the flavors have cooked together, It's super tasty, and you can get 20% off by going to peakrefuel.com and using the code at checkout, ASP20. Seriously, give them a shot for whatever adventures that you have planned this year. So, you know, your last trip in 2010, that was the uh, big Alaska trip. Yes. There's just... It's ridiculous. Well, I'll do a little thing in the intro just explaining it more, but people just look it up. Like it's unreal. I won't I won't have you rehash all the details unless you want to. <laughs> but like it was just it was yeah. crazy. You became a uh, National Geographic Ad- Adventure of the Year in a large part because of that trip. No, you're right. It was a, it was a nutty trip. Like it was something I don't know, it was like uh you know, now I look at it and go like, wow, you you kind of had to be in like a special place to even be able to dream up something like that. To execute it. Yeah. Yeah. Unreal. Still young and dumb enough probably would be, uh, would be one, one, uh, requirement. And then you couldn't have any, you couldn't feel beholden to anything, um, because the risk would be so high. So, uh, like there, you know, no, like, I don't know. I don't know how you could justify to a spouse going on that trip. Yeah. I, I don't, I feel like I've done, especially in the first few years of marriage, some stupid things like looking back, like, man, why did I do that? Like that, that's not mature <laughs> with trips. <laughs> yeah. And then like mature yeah. before that, just the things that you would do just unbelievable. But yeah, this is, this is definitely something where you're, yeah, great way to put it, not beholden to anything in life with just the danger, the level of uncertainty with almost every turn, you're looking at a map and you just have no idea what's what's going to be around the next corner with animals or circumstances or weather. Gosh, it's Alaska. I mean, yep, it's untamed in every way, but that did in a way launch you into what you're doing now. Um, what, what, after that trip, what did you start to do to build that career? What were some of the streams of income that just started popping up? Well, so the, um, and let me, I'll, 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 qualify your statement a little bit i think that the alaska trips are put it over the put me over the edge so i'd done some like my other trips prior to that were still really outstanding i mean out like uh, you know backpacker person of the year for that c2c trip outside outside adventure of the year for the great western loop so like but it's kind of like the third one where it was like wow this is like you know cumulatively really yes. impressive record yeah, at this point <laughs> Sorry um so well no i, th- I think that's because um and it wasn't ever the plan for me to like 
go like, oh, you know, if I if I just spend all of my 20s hiking as much as I can, you'll be able to make a legitimate occupation out of this in your 30s. <laughs> right. That was never that was never the plan. But you know what happened, and you, what you kind of alluded to is that like as things went along, I started getting opportunities to to transition it from being. I think what I would describe as like a sustainable lifestyle. So, you know, where where income and expenses are about equal, or maybe you know, hopefully a little bit of a surplus. Um, but you're really like you're still hustling a lot. Like there's not a whole lot of stability, but you're having fun. You're doing exactly what you want to do almost every day. And um, so then I transitioned that into as into yeah, like a legitimate occupation where now like I own a home. And I was like I when I offered a I, when I asked a woman to marry me, she said yes instead of going like no, you can't even buy me a ring <laughs> or <laughs> like this. And um, so originally, like I was doing a lot of speaking. So I think like in the first two years after the Alaska trip, I did like 110 events, which is just like nuts. And I would, I would never turn down an opportunity. Like a Boy Scout troop in Missouri would call me like, Hey, like, would you be willing to come and speak for our Boy Scout troop? And I'd be like, well, like, you know, how, like, you know, what, what do you think you could offer? They'd be like, well, we think we, you know, we could probably offer you maybe like 500 bucks and be like, oh yeah, I'll, sure. I'll do it. <laughs> so then I would, you know, like fly to Missouri. And at the same time, like I would figure out, like I would, I would find another venue, maybe like up in Omaha, you know, and that was only like a day's drive away and i would kind of stitch together these speaking tours um so that was kind of the, that was at, at the beginning and then i then i came out with the gear guide in 2012 um and i also started guiding trips in 2011 but it was a pretty small scale where i just guided like 2011 i guided two one week long trips and and one two week trip so it's three trips total and uh um, and then i just started the guiding really the guiding and the content have grown much more. I've actually like I actually do very little speaking nowadays. Um, so nowadays I guide. Um, well, my I manage um, this year. I'm managing 20 trips with uh, capacity for 176 clients. I'm in four locations, um, and uh, it's a total of like 96 days worth of trips. And of those, I'll be guiding about a third, and then the rest I I work with other guides to for them to run them. Um, so that's kind of the guiding and then the, on the content stuff, like, you know, the website, my, I've try to contribute to my website as much as possible. So there's a bunch of like content up there in addition to the gear guide, which got revised in 2016. So this is all sort of like, you know, like when someone says like, Oh, well, you know, what do you do? I say, well, I'm, I'm self-employed. And inevitably that's like, well, you know, what do you do when you're self-employed? I'm like, well, I, I say that I have my hands on a lot of different things and I do, I guide trips and I do, uh, I develop a lot of content and I do, I used to do some consulting too, um, for like Sierra designs and then like some virtual coaching and I do some speaking. So just, or like, you know, I kind of, um, have my eggs in multiple baskets and I'm able to change my business, um, depending on kind of what my, what my interests are at any given time and kind of what the market is telling me. Mm. Yeah, because it definitely seems, you know, I, I feel like speaking did have its heyday uh, few, 10 years back or something. I don't know. That might not be true, but I feel like with my research and my interest, speaking was a lot more popular a decade ago. Is it, have you found that? Um, well, I don't, you know, your next guest, Heather might, would probably be a better, better one to tell you, like she's, you know, she's a lot more active on that circuit right now. Um, I just found that, um, you know, well, two, two things. First is that, um, if, uh, 
I just got tired of telling like the same story. So that was part of it. And the story was also getting like the story was kind of getting old and I'll still like bust out my Alaska Yukon presentation when I'm asked. And, you know, it's like, for example, next month or not next month in May, I'm going down to um, university in New Mexico. One of my clients um, is, uh, is the chair of a department down there and he asked me to speak to his, to his group. So I'll go down there and I'll do, bust out my Alaska Yukon presentation, but it'll be fun. Like I haven't given it like in a year and it'll be fine, but I got tired of telling that story. And then, the other but the bigger thing is that you know now when i started when amanda and i started getting serious and eventually we got married i started looking at all of my days of business travel as like as just days away and then it was like okay so if i'm going to spend days away what's what's the best way to spend those days and it's not by doing presentations in Kansas City for boy scouts for 500 bucks like i like that's really fun. I hope I like. I hope that those boys got something out of my presentation. But that's a lot of like trains, planes, and automobiles for me, and it's a pretty shallow um, relationship as far as like you know. I walk in, I'm there for two hours, and then I leave. And I'd much, 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 much rather guide trips, and um, it's uh, it's more fruitful financially. But the bigger thing is that like I'm I'm getting to spend like like this summer I'm spending uh two weeks two and a half weeks up in alaska two and a half weeks in yosemite and uh, i'll oversee the trips for two and a half weeks in rocky mountain national park like that is awesome <laughs> like yeah. you know why do you want to spend your day in denver international airport and on a southwest plane or do you want to like you know be out and be active so it's a pretty easy one i mean it, it, it makes a ton of sense especially for you someone who's had the experiences themselves it's hard to go straight from that to something that in a way even though you're talking about it it has none of the same feeling none of the same physical engagement you know yeah zero zero yeah Yeah. no it's like it's like so i i've kind of kind of i don't know how to describe it i'm i'm kind of in the outdoor industry like i um i've been in it in the past and like i go to or usually twice a year and yeah what you're like me going out and doing a bunch of speaking is very similar to like how like someone works for like a gear company where yeah like they're like they're they have their hands on gear every day and the people that they're and the people that are around um are also really interested in the outdoors but like you know, you being in an office up in Gun Barrel at the Kelty office is not nearly as good as you, know, you being in the field using Kelty gear. <laughs> right. Yeah, that <laughs> makes tons of sense. I mean, you see, you know, former professional athletes have to pick up something else physical rather than speak about their career or something. Um, it, it, yeah. it, is, it is a balance because you're going to want to do some of that. You're going to want to share it. You know, it's these these times of experiences, no matter how much of a hermit you are out there during the trip, come on, they're meant to be shared. Like people got to know what this is like in your experience. So that, I mean, that's what we're doing right now. Um, you're not hiking right now. Well, at least I don't think you are, but <laughs> there's a bunch <laughs> no. of people going to appreciate this interview. So it's a balance. Um, you know, going from all these crazy experiences into what you're doing now and being, you know, 10 years in or so or more into trying to make or or successfully making a living off this has it ever gotten to the point where you're like i just i'm not doing this anymore i'm gonna do something else and if that was the case and if you have thought that what what would you do if you weren't doing this 
Oh, all right. Well, so it's kind of two questions. So the first, like, um, it's been a long time since I was like, hmm, should I be doing something else with my life? Um, because I, I think at this point, probably what I could earn um, from a conventional job is probably, um, you know, on par with like, I, I earn an, a reasonable income right now. Um, awesome. So why would I, why would I switch? Uh, whereas like when I get back from my Alaska trip, I actually, um, I, I actually kind of came back with the attitude of like, look, like see what opportunities present themselves. And, um, but if, but if this isn't like, if this is, if you still feel like you're really like hustling and if you don't feel like you have enough financial stability, then you know, maybe it's time to just make the outdoor something like a passion and, but like, go, go do something like normal. Um, because it was tough. Like, you know, when I, when I left for that Alaska trip and for that matter, when I came back, um, I like all my possessions could fit in my Pontiac vibe. Um, I, uh, you know, you know, that statement you get from the social security administration every year and they're like, this is how much you've earned, you know, over the past, you know, since you, (laughs) since you've been like, since you've been, you know, 13 years old. And I mean, there are some years where I look and I'm like, how did I ever survive that year? Like I I earned, I earned like nothing. And, um, you know, I would come back, like when I got back from my Alaska trip, um, I, there was not, I did not have a single guaranteed paycheck like into eternity like there was not one so like i had to get home and like get on the phone and start making things happen if i wanted to like pay my rent so um that like that could kind of i think that lifestyle at least for me like that had a, like an expiration date i just was like tired of living living like that as much fun as i was having is still was sort of like exhausting and like emotionally taxing to kind of like you know always you know i was just like getting too old for it um so like I didn't own a pair of sheets until I was 31 years old. <laughs> I can't I can't believe I'm I'm admitting this. My wife is going to be like appalled. But yeah, like she actually she was the reason I bought sheets is because she's like these sheets that you're like that you know happen to be like that you found in the linen closet in the house that you're renting a room in, like they're gross and you need new sheets. So um, yeah, and like so that's kind of the way my life was. Um, so as far as the other question, like what I would be doing um, if I wasn't doing this. Um, so I'm like, I actually like inherently enjoy running a business. So I actually think um, I would probably find some other way to like sell or offer widgets as a product or service. Um, like, like I'm pretty good at running a business as far as attention and detail and just sort of like understanding sort of markets. And um, so I enjoy being an entrepreneur. I won't, you know, I don't, um, there are a lot of like little details that sometimes drive me crazy, but that's part of what you, part of how you can succeed in making a business. Cause if you have the sort of ability to pay attention to those details, um, my, uh, my accountant, actually my tax accountant always, he usually always like flatters me at how good my QuickBooks are. And he's like, well, if you ever, you know, if this ever, if this doesn't work out, you're, you know, like, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> that's gotta so. feel good. Yeah, yeah, it feels feels good. Yeah. So you are definitely a details person. Oh, a super details person. Yeah, I mean, like because you have to be doing some of those trips. You have to be, yeah. Like for for the trips, like they're just so logistics heavy. Like both my personal trips were. Like, can you imagine? Like, so you know, on a six month long trip, um, if you miscalculate by half a day how much food you need to have sent to a certain location, you're going to be really upset with yourself. So like, you can't make mistakes like that. And then similarly nowadays with like my guided trips, like if I like, if I show up to the trailhead and I like forgot to print out the maps or if I like, if I forget like even like a bag of 
potatoes. I'm that is not good for somebody. So you can't. You've got to be super detail oriented to do to do what and I that's do. Na- that comes natural for you. First time I saw a spreadsheet, but probably when I saw it, I was like, oh, I I get this. This makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> time for a quick message break. So, you know this show is brought to you by Camp Crate. They specialize in self-guided, pre-planned, all-inclusive backpacking adventures, as well as trip advice, and as well as camping gear rental. So if you're in need of any of that stuff, reach out to them at campcrate.net. Very helpful and very knowledgeable. It's a great way to try backpacking for the first time or to scroll through their list of itineraries if you need some ideas on where to go. They will literally send you all your gear, your food, permits, coffee even, in a box to your front door. Use it for your trip. When you're done, return it with the pre-printed included return label. It's that easy. It makes backpacking and getting into the backcountry very approachable, very simple. Give them a shot. Now back to the episode. Well, that's great, man, because I don't think you could do what you do any other way. Um, so, so you keep pretty good track of what you're doing. What would you say to somebody who's young and maybe wanting to start this path or try to forge a career out of the outdoors? What's what's some of your early on advice? Um, I I discourage trying to like forge a career. Um, I think it's um, I think so. I think there are like a couple ways. You, I th- I think if you want to have like great outdoor experiences. Um, then you go, you should go do that and like, just kind of like figure out a way to make it happen. But don't like, I think it's really unlikely that you're, I don't know, like you're, you're a recent or you're coming up on college graduation and you're like, Oh, like if I, I'm going to plan this big C to C trip, um, and it's going to make me famous. I'm going to make a living off of it. I think that is hard. I think, I think that's probably unlikely. So I would, I would say like, just go do your C to C trip and like have a great time with it. And maybe afterwards, you know, keep an eye out for opportunities, but like, just, you know, be more, be more focused about the, the experience you're trying to have and not so much on what might come out of it later. Cause it's also pretty hard to, to, um, to like, to like balance those things. Um, it's tough because like you're doing this big trip and like you have an interest in sharing it and, um, maybe building up a little bit of a platform for yourself. But on the other hand, like that takes that effort is sort of takes away from your experience. Um, it just is a, it can be a distraction. So like if you're like coming into town and you feel like you're like, Oh man, I need to spend like a whole day blogging. Like, well, did you go out like to go like on this trip to go blog or did you go out to go on this trip? That's good, man. I think there's a lot of that out there. I, and I think that inauthenticity that's a word comes through. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, I think people definitely pick up on the true motives of what you're doing. And it does seem that the, the greatest reward comes to those who really aren't looking for it and are looking beyond that, looking at the actual experience itself. Yeah. I, you, you just, and the, the other thing too, these experiences are, are really hard. Yeah. Um, you're going to, you're going <laughs> to talk to, you're going to talk to Heather. I mean, Heather just, you know, I don't know what she does. She hiked like, you know, 30, 35 miles a day for like 10 straight months. Like that's just hard. Like you can't yeah. like, you know, it's just, you're not going to make it through like months of that, if you know, your justification for it is like, well, I'm going to be as famous as, as Heather Anderson. <laughs> it's just not, it's just not going to happen. 
So there's easier yeah, ways to be famous. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Much easier ways. Yeah. yeah. And a lot less lonely and, and yeah, just gosh, that's crazy. Um, so one thing I did want to ask is, you know, you're not only did your Alaska trip inspire me to, to fly to Alaska, uh, your great Western loop trip, man. I, I absolutely love that. I didn't have the time to hike it and I was kind of into bike packing. So I followed that route as close as possible on a bicycle and holy cow, what an experience. And I can't even imagine how much cooler it was to be on those trails. And is it cool to see that this is going to be like a legit route now? Um, I mean, what, what one, per, I think one guy did it, um, this this past year so that makes that makes two i i doubt that i mean it's I, this is not a route that is going to be done by a lot of people you don't think it'll be it'll become the new through hiking like crown no because what happens is that like so you have um you need to you need to get up through the high sierra really early in the season and you need to get out of colorado before like it gets it gets nasty so so you really you struggle to push up through the high sierra like any time before june is really is really hard like, I mean, if you're in the high Sierra in May in a normal year, like you should bring your skis For sure. and then, and then, um, in Colorado you have like, you basically, you need to get out of the state by October 1st, preferably like October 15th is probably like the latest you can reasonably do. Um, you, you could like start kind of dropping low if you start running into late October, but, but in between those two points, there's so much mileage because you need to go for, like from the high Sierra, you need to go all the way up to Canada, all the way over to the Rockies and then down the continental divide to Colorado. So it's a ton of miles and you just, you need, just need to be hauling tail. I mean, you need, it needs to be like 35 miles a day for you know, like four months and there just aren't that many people athletically who can handle that. So no, there's not. I mean, it's, that makes good sense. Yes. Yeah, so that's why I think it's just not going to be like a common thing. Um, what I, what I think I'm probably more excited and I, you know, on the great Western loop. So it's cool that you did on a, on a, on a bike. I think you probably still got a really like awesome experience. I, I think the coolest thing for me is that you're seeing like the whole mountain West and like kind of the desert Southwest. And you start looking at like much more holistically as like a, like a landscape and a region and you start to understand um, kind of the, the, you see how sensitive it is and how sort of delicate the whole system is. Uh, so it's pretty fascinating for me, like as someone who, cause like I love backpacking and I love the mechanics of backpacking, but I think actually what's backpacking has done is uh, given me this opportunity to, um, uh, sort of, um, uh, quench my intellectual curiosities. So like I, you know, just even at the library on Sunday, I picked up a book about the Colorado river because like, I still like, like I'm fascinated you know, 12 years later with this topic of the American West and water in the West. So, um, yeah. So I think, um, you know, the, I think the route, I think the routes that I'm more excited about people starting to replicate are these high routes that I've started putting together. So like the winter high route, the Fifner Traverse, um, the soon to be or soon to be released Yosemite high route, the Kings Canyon high basin route. Like these are like, um, for me, these have been super gratifying to put together. And then, um, they're fairly accessible. Like it's a pretty high skill level that people need to have to get onto them because it's a lot of off-trail travel and, um, like extreme vertical, uh, change, but you know, they don't require, you know, like, I don't know how long it took you to bike the great, bike the great Western route, but they don't require you to take seven months off. They can, you know, it's something you can do in like a long weekend or a week, maybe two weeks for like the longest the longest um, through hikes of, out there. So that's sort of the, but like the last couple of years, it's been the pro or like 
the the um the project that or the projects that have interested me most. It, well, it sounds like they're um short enough to still be doable no matter how many responsibilities you start to pile on or any for anyone, but they're also beautiful enough that you're kind of bypassing a lot of the mundane parts of some of these through hikes. There it's always beautiful, but it there are mundane sections and this seems yes. to be kind of the highlights. Yeah, that's that's the whole idea. It's it's you start and you finish and everything in between is awesome. And there's no like, oh yeah, you know, it's like, like, a, like, you know, imagine if you if you do like the John Muir Trail, even the John Muir Trail, um, you know, which is regarded as America's, what is America's most scenic trail, I think they yeah. say, um, or America's most beautiful trail. But I can like, I can, I can show you on the map probably out of like 224 miles on the John Muir Trail. I can show you probably like 75 miles. They're pretty like, pretty mediocre like not much in the way of views um you're gonna make a like, lot of people mad saying that <laughs> that's that's fine i'm just telling you the truth and like you know and and i'm just telling you the truth because i've been in the high seer a lot and this and the john Muir trail is a very scenic trail but is, is is it is it like phenomenal for 224 miles no no it's got some sections on it where you're like okay like i don't mind i wouldn't mind getting through this in order to, like to get back to something better um, so I'm thinking like of along like Red's Meadow and, uh, like, um, the section along like Bear Creek and like Silver Pass, like after Silver Pass and some of those like lower, lower elevation areas, or even for that matter, uh, from, from Happy Isles and Yosemite Valley all the way up to Tuolumne and, and you know what? Lyle Canyon. It's like, I, you know, I've been in Yosemite a lot, like Lyle Canyon. It's, it's cool, but like, it's not great. It's like, it's kind whoa, of whoa, tedious. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I love Happy Isles and Tuolumne's. I don't know. It's a chance. More. It's honestly more sentimental than anything. So I got it. If yeah. I regard, you know, if I think about that, then it's, I might agree. It's a lot of miles. It's a lot of miles in like it in, is. in forest, and it's it can be really dusty. And um, you know, and yeah, you pass by Half Dome, like that'd be like an awesome side trip, and it's fun to go over Cathedral Pass. But like I know, there's like there's. Like, trust me, there's like much better stuff in Yosemite than what the John Muir Trail shows you. So that's the idea with the high routes is like to get you into those other areas where it's like a super concentrated experience and it's like it tries to be awesome like every single mile. And when you run out of awesome terrain, the, the route stops. It's over. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That You know, we, we have a lot of people with Camp Crate that want to go to Yosemite and we have – three unofficial itineraries that we built last year that'll be official this year that are kind of based over in mammoth. And we're like telling people like, trust us, it's epic over here because they're, you know, it's high elevation. It's, it's going to be a lot less busy. It's just totally underrated. The Eastern side of the Sierras in yeah. the high Sierra in general, it's right. gosh, it's awesome. Yeah. You're, are you, you're, you're, are you taking groups up in like thousand Island Lake area? Uh, we, we, ha- we, it's the self-guided tours. Um, okay. Okay. So yeah, we, we adequately equip them, but then we ship the gear into mammoth and they pick it up there. So we have them, especially if they're coming from LA, we'll, we'll try to talk them into out of Yosemite into mammoth Lake. It's a cooler drive. You go up 395. It's just, right. Yeah. It's just a fine, there's cool side trip, but to wrap up, how can people keep in touch with you and how can they sign up for one of your trips if, if, if they want to? Yeah. So do, um, so to keep, like to, I don't know. I let's see. I don't want to say follow me, but like, uh, if you'd like more information, like to see some of the content that I'm putting out there, it's all up on my website, which is my full name, andrewskirka.com. 
And then uh, as far as the trips goes, uh, uh, the trips this year, are they're, they're mostly full. I've got a few spots uh, like in West Virginia, and I think I still have a few spots in, in Colorado. But like all the Alaska trips and all the California trips are full at this point. Um, usually I open registration in, uh, in January, and there's like an open, open application window of like two weeks. And most of the trips at the end of that period uh, will be full. So That's I always tell news. people to kind of sign up early. Yeah, it's um, it's nice that you know, to have that certainty at the beginning of the year. Like I can transition from out of marketing um, and just go right into planning. So like today, I actually started the planning curriculum for the trips, and I can um, I'm there'll still be a few registrations here and there between now and the trip starts, but um, probably at this point, like ninety five percent of the the spots are full, so I'll just like I just go right into talking about um, what gear everyone's going to need, and here you know, and like let's let's print out our maps, and here's the food, and and all the rest. That's awesome. Well, Andrew, thanks so much for joining us and telling us a little bit about probably things people don't typically hear from your stories. Um, but I'll totally link everything that they need to know about you and uh, how they can find out more. So, yeah, thanks for being on the show. You bet. Yeah, it's been, been a pleasure. Thanks for bring, for having me on. Yeah, no worries. All right, man. Well, have a good one. Sounds good. Bye-bye. All right. First of all, thank you so much for listening to the episode. Uh, secondly, if you would like to get in touch, you can leave us a voicemail at 812-MAIL-POD. You can also send us an email, info at adventuresportspodcast.com. Get a hold of us on Facebook, Instagram. Contact us on the website. Like, There's just a thousand ways to do it. If you know somebody that would make a good guest for the show, whether they're whether it's you or somebody you know with a really cool story or background or does an interesting sport, get in touch. We'd love to have them on. Also, if you'd like to be a patron, a.k.a. a supporter of the show, patreon.com slash adventuresportspodcast. You can sign up for as little as a buck a month. You can sign up for five bucks a month. And lastly, thank you to our sponsors whose messages follow right now. If you want to save 20% off the best backpacking food on planet Earth, go to peakrefuel.com and at checkout, use the code ASP20. So after all of this outdoor talk, if you're looking to plan your own getaway, head to BackpackTribe.com and get ready for your next adventure. They have customized gear bundles and free shipping, and they'll be able to get you ready for any adventure that you want to tackle. Check them out, BackpackTribe.com.